everybody to the Sports Predictor Podcast. I'm your host, Al Walsh. We are brought to you by SportsPredictor.com, where professional bettors share their best plays. Get the winning edge by subscribing to the Sports Picks Packages Long-Term Winning Bettors. Once again, that's SportsPredictor.com. Follow us on Twitter as well, at PredictorHQ. Once again, on Twitter, at PredictorHQ. On today's episode, we've got Chris Dawson back with us to talk uh, Week 13. Uh, Thanksgiving slate going on here. Uh, make sure you follow him on Twitter at Cash Gritty. Chris, welcome to this week. Uh, I guess based on what we talked about last week, uh, pretty good week twelve, huh? Sure, it was. Um, it was a profitable week. We uh, had some high volume this week. Started out Thursday uh, with the Texans failing us on our first half bet, um, and then also pushing the first quarter money line. So Thursday started out. Uh, with zero wins, a loss, and a push, came back strong on Sunday, going eight and five, nice. and closed out with a win on the over last night to make the week nine and six with a push. So, um, profitable week, and um, this adds on to our profitable season. Nice. See, see, so you took the entertaining route by going with the over instead of the Ravens in that one. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. I was actually, um, I was leaning kind of towards the Rams. And um, just didn't real, feel real confident in that. So I was on the Rams in the over, and, and I luckily scrapped the Rams um, yesterday and just stuck with the over. So um, very happy with the decision there. As you know, as we saw, the the Ravens are just bowling people over right now, and um, and they didn't stop last night. Nope, nope, certainly did not. So uh, yeah, we always, we talk about, uh, you know, the week in review. Did you see anything from week 12, you know, that we could potentially use going forward for this week? Um, well, I don't know anything that we can necessarily, uh, use moving forward, but I do think, you know, the major takeaway is, uh, the playoff picture, yep. um, especially in the NFC where that Seahawks win at Philly, um, was very big for how we shape up the playoff picture here in the NFC. Uh, especially affected, you know, the Bears who, who got a win, um, but a five losses with five games left. It's going to be hard for them to catch up in that wild card pitcher. And, uh, of course, very negatively affected the Eagles' chances at the wild card, kind of leaving them just in the division hunt. And uh, the Panthers and the Rams also, um, that was really, uh, really difficult um, for their playoff outlook, having Seattle with that big win in Philly. And on the flip side in the AFC, um, we're starting to see some uh, separate. Well, I wouldn't say separation. We're starting to see some real tightening um, for that last wild card spot. And there's really only like three teams who are who you call out of it right now in the AFC with the Dolphins, the Bengals, and the Broncos. Um, everybody else is pretty much alive. So you know, my major takeaway would be um, how last week really impacted the the playoff picture. So this week's, uh, well, this episode of the podcast is going to be a little different. We're just going to talk about the Thanksgiving games on this one, and then, uh, you know, we'll turn it right around for the for the Sunday games and the Monday night game. But before we get into the Thanksgiving Day games, we got to talk about Thanksgiving dishes. What what's on the top of your list every Thanksgiving that you got to have? I, I actually have kind of bucked against the the old Thanksgiving tradition of. Um, the home dinner, and over the last couple of years, me and the family, we go out and have someone else serve us and treat us right. so that uh, the other people in the family necessarily don't have to, um, you know, spend all day Wednesday and, and the first half of Thursday 
um, cooking and, and working. So not real sure. Uh, usually Caesars Buffet is a good selection. Um, this year might go way outside the box. And um, I heard they have turkey sliders at oh White my. Castle. So oh I don't know. Uh, no, so I mean, like, are you more of a turkey guy, a ham guy? Uh, turkey. Yeah, turkey, you know, but um, again, I, I'm not real big into Thanksgiving food. I'm more about the football. So for me to get that meal out of the way and, and be able to focus on football, that that's my favorite dish for Thanksgiving is, uh, is you know, this modern day age for the young football fans. They're lucky they get three games. I, I still am used to the old school, you know, just Lions, Cowboys. So yeah. uh, Thanksgiving just keeps improving as we keep adding sports to the schedule and the and the the uh, dinner menu, I guess you could say. <laughs> See, I, I like uh, now turkey. It's fine. It's fine. But I'd rather go with the ham. Then I get myself a nice little plate of mashed potatoes and stuffing with the gravy on top. That's the that's the go to right there. No doubt. Indeed. Indeed. All right. So we do have quite a turkey of a game to start off our uh, Thanksgiving slate here. We've got the Bears uh, two and a half point favorites at the Detroit Lions. Uh, in their usual 12:30 slot here on Thanksgiving Day, the total is the lowest of any game that we see on the slate here at 38 and a half. So, what are we thinking for this one? Well, the the overall plan kind of got uh, pushed to the side here. Um, I I can't I can't help myself but to have looks ahead. And I usually start on the uh, you know the one o'clock Sunday games. I start taking a peek at the uh, the following week, and I had the Eagles beating the Seahawks last week, and uh, although I didn't bet the Bears, I did feel like they were going to win, uh, must win at the Giants, and uh, because of that scenario, I had the Bears circled on Thanksgiving as being a bet that I was really going to be looking at making, but because of that big Seahawks win against Philly, um, you kind of have to wonder where the Bears are at emotionally coming into this Thanksgiving game. You know, they handled business by uh, getting the win last week, but when they show up to work this week, you know, even though they all claim to only play one game at a time, uh, we know they're looking at their overall scenario, and it's looking kind of bleak uh, for the Bears simply because they're way behind in the division. Uh, the wild card starting to run away from them, and then they still have a very tough schedule left. Um, so saying all that, I'm not on the Bears this week. It's uh, kind of hard to take Detroit. But if this line gets up to around Detroit plus four, I'm going to be looking to pull the trigger on the Lions. Some of my reasoning for that is um, when we look at the quarterback play, because of Mitchell Trubisky being you know, a third overall pick or you know, top five pick, whatever he was. And then we have Jeff, Jeff Driscoll on the other side. Some public perception can still lead to Mitchell Trubisky being, you know, the better quarterback in this situation when really that's a push. Um, where I do see the Lions uh, having some advantages, I like their weapons on the outside in regards to their receivers and then also their uh, rookie athletic tight end. So um, I don't know. I think the Lions uh, can come out and really play tough on Thanksgiving, not real sure if they can pull out the win, um, but I'm not a believer in the Bears' offense at this point. We know that Detroit's going to pretty much play 90% man up across the board on defense, and uh, I don't think that's a recipe for success for the Bears' offense and Mitchell Trubisky and his very limited weapons on the outside. So I'm um, not really liking you know, the, the line. Uh, you can get 
the line's plus three at all shops right now, um, which wouldn't be a bad bet, but I feel like it could possibly go to four by the time kickoff comes in. If that's the case, I'll be on the lines plus four. Interesting. So uh, last night I interviewed uh, John Lindheimer, who's the sportsbook manager at Harrah's uh, in Anderson, Indiana. And he was basically just saying, like, you know, in order for the books to have a good day on Thursday, one of these underdogs has to come through because it just seems like everybody's going to be hammering the favorites on this day. So potentially we give him we give him some hope and, uh, you know, Lions can get this done here on Thursday. Uh, well, we saw the, you know, the Bears opened, I think. Um, I'm pretty sure that there were shops that opened them up as, uh, you know, like minus one. Yep, yep. Um, and we, we, we've seen them get pounded. It's up to, you know, you could easily grab a, a plus three with the lines today. I don't think money stops pouring in. And, um, and again, if you really match up these teams offensively, defensively, and strengths and weaknesses, I mean, we're looking at an even matchup. Um, so I guess it's, you know, what kind of value can you get with the Lions based off of the, you know, the public just pushing the Bears out of value here. Uh, any any play on the total that you see uh, being sharp? Well, I, I wouldn't want to take it that low, um, you know, playing indoors on a fast track, even though the Bears offense and Lions offenses have struggled. Um, I could easily see, you know, the defense on both sides or at least one side uh, producing some points. And um, also, I think that Jeff Driscoll is going to be playing with some house money here. You know, this is kind of an audition for him. I don't see him being Detroit's starting quarterback next year, but um, this will be a chance for him to have a national audience watching him. Uh, I think the pressure between quarterbacks is on Trubisky, you know, because of the expectations. So um, to get back to the total, I think it's set a little bit low. I'm not confident to put money on the over with these two offenses, but if I was forced into a play here, I would be looking at the over. Well, the only reason I uh, kind of force feeding the, the total on this one, since we only got three games, you know, I'm sure people are going to be looking to make all sorts of, you know, different bets and whatnot. So sure. Hey, it's Thanksgiving day, man. Sit down, watch some football, eat, be merry. All right. Yeah. I guess, um, you know, I, I think kind of an interesting aspect, too, is, you know, the same thing that you say about Driscoll. I mean, Trubisky kind of has a chance here to resurrect his name for at least a day. I mean, obviously, he's going to need a lot more than, <laughs> than one day to resurrect his name. But uh, hey, Lions defense, not that great. Uh, you know, obviously, that a couple of turnovers there against the Redskins last week. But, um, you know, that that's, that should be an interesting uh, aspect to look at, too, coming off that loss to the yeah. Redskins. Probably going to be pretty pissed off. And just to follow up about the Lions' defense, you know, statistically they're not that great, but mm-hmm. they are well coached and they do have pieces who can be disruptors um, at all three levels. So I, I think that we'll see a Lions defense that will play well on Thanksgiving, you know, regardless of the total and where it goes. I, I, I do think that um, Mitchell Trubisky, with the weapons, with the lack of weapons that he has, um, playing against a well-coached defense that's really going to man up and make him throw into tight windows. It's just um, not, not, I wouldn't want to put my money on Trubisky here. So <laughs> again, uh, the Lions defense isn't that great, but they're not as bad as they are statistically. So right. I just wanted to throw that in there that, you know, don't underestimate this Lions defense on Thanksgiving. All right. All right. All right. We got the, uh, the midday game, I guess we could say with the uh, Buffalo bills in an awkward uh, Thanksgiving 
appearance here at Dallas. Uh, Dallas, seven-point favorites after their loss at New England last week. We've got a total at 45-and-a-half. Now, this I found this total pretty interesting. It's the only total that increased, obviously, with the uh, on the Thanksgiving slate. Uh, the 38-and-a-half the stayed the same for Chicago, and then uh, the 50 from the game that we'll talk about next with the Saints and the Falcons, that actually dropped a point and a half. But uh, I'm selfishly, I have some interest in this one, considering I've got Josh Allen and uh, Dak Prescott as you know two of uh, my fantasy quarterbacks. But do you see anything in this game that uh, I know we have two sort of running teams in this game, but is there anything here where we could see some points? Um, possibly. I, I do think it's set a little bit high, so I won't be playing the total. And, you know, unlike the Lions one where I have a slight lean towards the over, I think this Cowboys-Bills total is um, very hard to predict. The Bills defense can play elite at times, and um, then again, the Bills offense, you know, can be non-existent. <laughs> On the flip side of that, again, we have an indoor game. Um on a fast turf that, you know, it's Thanksgiving. I, uh, we might see the Cowboys kind of let things hang here after the Jerry Jones comments about the coaching staff and, yeah. and with Garrett being an offensive-minded coach, maybe we see the offense try to open up a little bit here, which um, in regards to the side I think would be at a disadvantage to the Cowboys against this Bills defense. So I, I can't really get a good read on this total. You know, I, I think this is easily a game that – uh, we could see be very low scoring, you know, 17-10 or 20-13 to 13 or something like that. And again, because of the short week and the lack of preparation for defenses, um, you never know. The Bills maybe could uh, punch in some touchdowns when they normally kick field goals and, and the Cowboys offense could be ramped up. So I, I think it's kind of hard to predict the total on this one. Yeah, I'm looking at the numbers right now. This is the highest total for a Buffalo Bills game this season. Uh, earlier in the year, they had a 44 and a half at the Giants that ended up landing on 42. But uh, yeah, pretty interesting to see that that total jump up there from 44 and a half. So, all right. So we talked about the total here. Um, you know, you, you did say that, you know, this total kind of lends some optimism to the Bills covering in this one. Uh, is that is that truly where your heart is, I guess, looking at the game tape or do you like the Cowboys here? No, this is uh, definitely the, the Thanksgiving free play is the Bills. Ah. Um, un unfortunately, I think it might be too late to get seven without paying some juice. I think we're already starting to slip below seven at most shops um, as money is coming in on the Bills. I think the Cowboys are the ones who feel a little bit of pressure here, uh, and that goes back to you know last week's loss and the Jerry Jones comments. And um, Garrett, I think his job is – has been kind of in the hot seat uh, even coming into this season with very high expectations. And now the fact that it's basically win the division or lose for the Cowboys um, builds a lot of pressure coming into this Thanksgiving game. You know, the Bills are sitting kind of pretty in their wild card seat. And although I doubt they catch New England being back two games, it is still a possibility. Um, going back to, you know, I wouldn't call it a Thanksgiving angle, but a Thursday game angle is that the defenses have less time to, to prepare for this. And with the Bills being the, the better defense of the two and being able to um, play a lot more straight-up defense in regards to a four-man front, 
and very vanilla looks because of the talent that they have is an advantage for them this week. Um, the Cowboys defense has been very inconsistent and they have been vulnerable uh, against the run. So um, I think the Bills with plus even six points here is a steal and I'll be more than likely also backing that up with uh, a Bills money line play to still win Ooh. in Dallas on Thanksgiving. I, I really think this is um, sneaky turkey. Yeah, I think uh, I think for the Bills, this is again, you know, um, this is a nationally televised game for them. And although they haven't beat any good competition, I think they're aware of that, and they're still looking for a statement game. Um, Cowboys offense and defense have just been really inconsistent this year, and I, I feel like the Bills are going to come in here and still win. So um, very likely, I'll be pulling the trigger on the Bills money line. But as for a very confident play that. Um, I feel safe to give out as a free play and a happy Thanksgiving cash for our clients would be the bills uh, plus six, you know, hopefully seven if the number holds up or if you haven't got it already. Nothing makes me happier than piling gravy on all over my mashed potatoes and stuffing, but a Dallas loss on Thanksgiving is damn, damn near it. Right. I think we, ha- I think we have a good chance of it. Oh, that would be lovely. All right, let's get to the grand finale. Uh, very, we've seen this matchup before on Thanksgiving. Uh, the New Orleans Saints, seven-point favorites at the Atlanta Falcons. This one does have the highest total of the trio of games on Thanksgiving at 48 and a half. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, it did open at 50, and then we saw it go down to 48 and a half. Now, one observation that I have made about the Atlanta Falcons this year, this, this team is just not playing good ball at home. You know, most of their best games have come on the road, which is ass backwards from previous years where Matty Ice and the boys, you know, they were getting it done under the roof in the ATL. Not the case this season. Uh, Now, the Saints coming off kind of that herky-jerky win that they got against the Panthers. Kind of a weird game to, uh, you know, if you're watching that one through and through. But uh, what do you you like in this matchup here? Well, this is the, the, the one game that I probably won't have money on. Um either side or total, at least at kickoff. Maybe uh, maybe we see something at halftime to jump in here. Um, one of the, I guess, angles to look for that I would like to see in regards to the total, the reason I think it's driving down is you already mentioned that you know the Falcons are one and four at home this year. The offense hasn't looked well at home. Uh, I mean, the Saints defense has played well this year, so – I wouldn't mind seeing maybe this game get off to a uh, little bit of a fast start, you know, with some of that Thanksgiving night energy going on, uh, maybe some early points and then trying to get some value in a second half under. Um, I guess what I'll be looking for is to see the Saints with a seven plus point lead at the half. And um, I would like to see both teams score over 27 points in the first half so that we can get some value in a second half under total and then possibly see the Saints play this a little bit close to the vest in the second half uh, with a second, possibly a two score lead and, you know, running some clock in the fourth quarter. Um, As for pulling the trigger before the game, I just don't really feel confident getting seven points on the road at Thanksgiving night. And on the flip side, you know, the Falcons' little hot streak came to an end uh, by losing to Tampa Bay. This eliminates them from from playoff contention. So we have to make the old joke of, you know, is Atlanta spending um, today and yesterday and tomorrow on travelocity uh, 
about planning their vacations for after the season, <laughs> go and not so much, guys, go <laughs> yeah, not so much, you know, uh, planning for the Saints as much. And then, you know, the Saints, they're they're in total control of the division. So, um, of course, they want to get the win. They're still playing for home field and positioning and things like that. But it's just really hard to lay the seven, and there's no way to really back the Falcons based off of you know what we've seen um, take place last week and where they are mentally and emotionally to the rest of the season. And more than likely the head coach will be gone after the year. I think we'll see a lot of turnover with some of their veterans as well. So yeah, um, yeah this will be a game. The best thing to do is, you know, see if you can profit off that Lions game, get your bills money, and then sit back and watch this Saints Falcons game stress-free with some money in your pocket uh, to end Thanksgiving. So, you know, I sit here like a child clapping his hands whenever you bring up the, the live opportunities. So I, I love, you know, what you're saying about the total on this one. Is there a particular number that you're looking to get that total at for the second half in this one? Um, I, I think, you know, what we're probably going to see for a second half total, regardless of the score, is probably going to be, I would say, around 27. Okay. So what we really want to see happen here, though, is for a reason for the Saints not to uh, be pushing the ball downfield in the second half. So the formula will be the Saints up by seven or more at the half. We want there to be more than 27 points scored in the first half so that that way, you know, the actual total for the game will be, I guess, maybe around 52 or 53. Um, and in my experience, regardless of what happens in the first half, rather it be the Saints are up 35 to 10 or if the Falcons are winning 7 to nothing, I would expect the the total at halftime to be set somewhere around 26 or 27. Now, um, again, kind of the angle here is for the Falcons to be kind of out of this game and for there to already be, you know, some Saints points scored uh, because what that'll do is, you know, the Falcons will more than likely not want to get blown out at home on Thanksgiving. So even though they're down late playing a game that doesn't mean anything to them, uh, we could see them maybe going to a little bit too deep safety look. The Saints have already shown that they can throw the ball, so they're more than happy to uh, start exploiting that and, and pick up some running yards. Um, and again, this isn't something that you know it will guarantee to happen. We could see this game be tied at halftime or be very low scoring. And at that point, I just want to set it out and, and see what happens at the end. All right. All right, folks, that was Chris Dawson. Find him on Twitter at Cash Gritty. Also, you make sure you give a Sports Predictor a follow there as well at Predictor HQ. Uh, sportspredictor.com is where you're going to find all of Chris's great plays for Thanksgiving Day. Uh, I already gave you that free pick on the Bills there, so make sure you hammer that one out. Uh, we're going to hit the stop button on this one, and then we're going to uh, record the Sunday podcast for this one. So getting a jam-packed day for all the people there. Uh, once again, folks, have a nice Thanksgiving. And uh, Chris, best to you and yours. Happy Thanksgiving. All right, we'll be back with the... Week 13 NFL Podcast next. See you later. Welcome, everybody, to the Sports Predictor Podcast. I am your host, Al Walsh. We are brought to you by SportsPredictor.com, where professional bettors share their best plays. Get the winning edge by subscribing to the Sports Picks packages from long-term winning bettors. Once again, SportsPredictor.com. 
Make sure you give us a follow on Twitter at PredictorHQ. Once again, on Twitter at PredictorHQ. On today's episode, we got Chris Dawson breaking down week 13 of the NFL season. Make sure you give him a follow on Twitter at CashGritty. Once again, on Twitter at CashGritty. All right, so Chris and I recorded the uh, Thanksgiving Day podcast. So hopefully you guys all listen to that. Uh, about a 20-minute podcast there for the three games. Now we're going to uh, dive into the 1 o'clock window of these Saturday afternoon games. If you missed the Thanksgiving Day podcast, uh, Chris had his third great week in a row. So make sure that you, you pay attention to what this guy's saying because he knows his stuff, folks. How you doing, Chris? Good, good. Been a, um, been long, a good long, week last week. And I was going to say, long time no talk. Yeah, yeah. Coming <laughs> off of, a, of another winning week, heading into Thanksgiving football, playoff pitcher is uh, full-scale focus. So I'm excited to, um, to make some money on Thursday and Sunday and Monday. All right, let's break it down, the Sunday slate. We got a dandy coming up, uh, starting off the week here. So, Well, starting off the Sunday slate. So this is pretty interesting. Uh, well, let's just break it down. We got the 49ers at the Ravens. Ravens, five-and-a-half-point favorites uh, with a total at 45-and-a-half. So this is pretty funny. In the, uh, so I live in New Jersey, and everybody's complaining about Oh my God, we're not going to get to see this game on TV because the stupid Jets are playing the Bengals and the Packers are playing at the Giants. Typically, you know, here in the, in the Jersey area, in the New York area, they, uh, they split the games, right? So the Giants will be at 1 o'clock and the Jets will be at 4 o'clock. Not the case this week. It's okay, folks. You can leave your home. You can go to the bar. You can go watch this game elsewhere. And by the way, you can get the red zone, get the NFL ticket. But this is certainly the game to watch this week. Uh, Ravens coming off that huge Monday night win in LA, uh, which is probably why we're seeing, uh, the line eh, slightly tick up a little bit here for the Ravens. But, uh, I don't know, Chris, are the 49ers going to be the one to slow this dynamic offense down? Uh, they definitely are capable of, of doing that. Um, I do think this is going to be a close game. And the first thing that we notice is the betters are definitely coming in on the Ravens off of last night we've already i think i'm pretty sure we've seen this line go from five and a half to six uh i doubt we get to seven but i wouldn't be surprised even if we get up to six and a half with the ravens here um we have two offenses that are really clicking on on their play calling with uh very simple looks too um when we watch the film on both offenses it's very impressive of what they're doing um and like I said, there's not a lot of complexity to what they're doing on offense. Both things are pretty simple. Um, it's a hard one to, to really pick right now. It's, you know, you don't want to bet against the Ravens, but that's a lot of points to be giving away uh, to a 49ers team <clears throat> that is playing well on offense and defense. So I'll probably stay away from this game completely and uh, and watch it and, and enjoy it and just see what happens. You know, possibly this is a... Super Bowl preview as well. So I think it's very hard to predict um, how this one shakes out, but, you know, probably also the game of the week. So I hate not to have action on it and give the action junkies something to bet on since everyone's going to be watching it. But it's just uh, it's a tough one to call at this time. Yeah, one of the interesting things I noticed with the Ravens last night, they were putting the tight end in motion, you know, and then essentially snapping that ball as soon as he got past, you know, that that line of where, uh, Lamar Jackson was to with the center 
And, I mean, gosh, I mean, that was opening up so many holes for them last night. And it, I, I don't know, like, tell me if I'm wrong, but do you think that was in order to, you know, kind of put more bodies on a guy like Aaron Donald? Well, I usually don't like to give away, you know, too much of what I pick up from film study because I think it's um, one of the advantages I have. Okay. Um, but we'll, we'll, we'll give some away on this game. Not, uh, or, or not so much this game, but on the 49ers and the Ravens. And here's what I really like about both of these offenses is it's so simple of what they're doing. You know, the Ravens are putting a fullback or a tight end in motion on every play, especially almost every running play. And they're simply doing this. They're, it's a, it's a, a play call option you can almost see in the beginning where they're just looking to uneven it and put either one of their tight ends or a, a playing a fullback position in a situation where they get a one-on-one blocking scheme um, because everyone else, you know, is numbered up properly and they're running behind that. And the 49ers are doing the same thing. They put the fullback in motion yeah. and they continually put him in a place where it's a one-on-one block and everything is based off of that. So what makes both these teams so dangerous right now on offense is they're using very little. Um, they're keeping things very simple and they're just out physical you know their physicality is just overmatching their opponents and they're just running the ball right down people's necks <laughs> and in today's football whenever you know it's such a pass happy league and you know the pass interferences and all that kind of things it's kind of refreshing uh, for me as an old school football fan to to watch these two teams and what they're doing um in the power run game and just how simple the play calling is uh to go back to what I was getting at, you know, both these teams are very dangerous because there's so many ripples and wrinkles that they could do off of this play calling um, that they haven't had to show yet. So, you know, very, very, very uh, entertained by watching both these teams right now. In the future, if I call something out from the film study, just nod your head and I'll know it's correct. Yeah, yeah, but you know, but it is, it's really that simple. And in the Ravens game last night was the perfect example that you brought up. And what they're doing is, um, you know, we see like college teams able to do this in the passing game where they'll, you know, load up, you know, three, three wide receivers on the short side of the field and then go to a tight end on the other side on a one-on-one mismatch. And the Ravens and 49ers are doing a lot in their run blocking. They're just looking for a mismatch to get one of their tight ends against one of your weaker linebackers um, or in San Francisco's case. I mean, they're just looking to get the fullback on someone one-on-one and run behind him. And it's just, it's working. So yeah. uh, until somebody stops it, there's really no reason to do um, what some of the, you know, other play callers, you know, we'll be talking about Sean McVay today. We always talk about him. Oh, yeah. You know, he's the perfect example of someone. Sometimes he just tries to be a little too smart and out, out, out think the other team, even when you don't have to, uh, with like end arounds and things like that. And what the 49ers and Ravens right now are doing is saying, okay, you know what we're going to do and we know what we're going to do. Hmm. Um, but can you stop it? So it's, um, I'm very impressed with both offenses this time of the year. Absolutely. Yeah. Really looking forward to that matchup. And, you know, hey, I like my one o'clock games, but, you know, going to be great to watch that amongst all the other ones as well. All right. So we've got a, uh, an interesting AFC South matchup here between the Tennessee Titans and the Indianapolis Colts. Colts are favored by two and a half at home in this one with a total of 43. I just had to do the calculations because it's so staggering to me. But in the last 22 meetings, the Colts are 19-3 and against the Tennessee Titans. 
So obviously a lot of that has to do with Andrew Luck. And, you know, if you've been watching the league for a while, you knew that stat that Luck just always beat the Titans. But both teams have different quarterbacks now. You know, Brissett for the Colts, Tannehill playing well for the Titans. Uh, are we going to see more of this Colts dominance or do you think the Titans can come into Indy and uh, make some noise here? Well, it's, it's definitely going to be a very close game. It's a pivotal matchup. You know, for for both teams, they're both in the wild card hunt. They're both in the division hunt. Um, and and my, especially too with Houston playing New England this week, there's a yeah chance to gain some ground. And we really have, you know, the NFL is definitely um, in this last uh, five weeks of the year. This is definitely another one of the divisions, just like most of the other ones where there's a lot of divisional matchups taking place. Everyone's still alive. Anything can can happen in this division. Um, in regards to this game here, I think the side is, is going to be difficult to pick. It will definitely be a, a close game between the two. Uh, one angle I, I like here is actually the total going over 43. Okay. Um, and, and, and some I, of the, I just want to say, by the way, nice call too. Uh, uh, I forgot to mention it from the Thanksgiving day pod, but the bucks over the Falcons and then uh, the over you really like thought with the Titans and the Jags last week. Yeah, yeah, and and that was one of the one of the plays that we cashed on Sunday. Um, I, I feel like we're going to see the same thing here. The Titans with Tannehill have opened up the offense some. They're they're definitely getting some good looks off of their play action with running the ball with Henry, mm-hmm. uh, and then the Colts. You know, T.Y. Hilton returned last week and and didn't really do much for them, but he should be a little healthier this week. And I think that, you know, both of these teams know that the other one wants to run the ball and we're going to see some stacked boxes early. And I think the Titans will be the first one to go ahead and open up the playbook and and try to score some points on the Colts and, and, and they will do so. And the Colts will be forced to, I wouldn't say abandon the run game, but throw the ball a little more downfield, not to let the Titans run away with this. So my game flow is actually to see the Titans come out and get off to kind of a hot start here and put the Colts in early hole and then have the Colts have to open up the offense to get back in it. Um, I could see us only score maybe, you know, 20 to 24 points in the first half and then see open up even more in the second half. And uh, this game will likely end with both teams scoring in the mid to high 20s. Interesting. So I got to send you a picture one day of my whiteboard. So I have my whiteboard that's behind my uh, both of my computers that I work on at my desk. And it is just littered with Chris Dawson knowledge today, folks. It is. Okay. There's so many things that you need to that you need to be taking notes on. All right. Well, got the over in that one. Sounds great. All right. So this is another interesting AFC divisional matchup here. So we've got the Cleveland Browns, who I thought I saw that uh, minus one in their favor. I've seen it at uh, minus two and a half now here as well. But they're going to be at the Steelers with a total of forty. Thing that's interesting about this game, I heard this stat today. I almost fell off my damn chair. Well, I guess it's not that surprising. But the Brand, this is the first time that the Browns are favored over the Steelers since 1989. 19, 19- I was five wow. years old at the time. Yeah, I, I wasn't aware of that either. Wow, that is insane. So, uh, and again, too, I are the Steelers uh, going to be going with Rudolph in this game? Uh, I I think they're probably going to be going with uh, what's his name. Um, his name's escaping. It's Hodges. Hodges, Hodges. Yes. They're going to be going with Hodges, yeah. correct? Yeah, Hodges is going to be starting. I'm pretty sure they released the news 
today. Um, so don't quote me on that, but I had a good feeling that, that, you know, after the game ended last week that he would be starting here. I don't think that really helps them either way. I think Hodges or, or Rudolph, either one puts them at a disadvantage. Um, I definitely like the Browns in this spot uh, because of the quarterback play. You know, yeah. Baker Mayfield has not had a good year, and that was somewhat expected, you know, as a as some regression uh, as his sophomore, second-year quarterback in the NFL. Uh, we often see that when the rookies come off at a hot start the year before, once that tape is developed, you know, coaches are able to find weaknesses there. But saying all that, we still like Baker Mayfield over Hodges or Rudolph in this spot. And not just that, we feel like the Browns perimeter players will be able to make some plays. And um, if the Steelers find themselves down, you know, two scores late in this game, you know, how are they going to really get back in it being a one-dimensional offense? Um, I just feel like there's too much risk involved with the Steelers. And even though it's always risky betting on the Browns, I, I do like them in this spot. I just feel like they have a little more continuity and and uh, weapons on offense they can take advantage of. And even if they get down to the Steelers early, they they have the capability to get back in the game. And I don't feel the same about the Steelers. So I'm definitely going to be taking the Browns here. Um, in regards to the total, I'll be staying away. But um, – the second half under is a possibility if the Browns are up two scores. Yeah. Um, for the simple fact is, again, I think that the Steelers get into a, you know, having to pass on first down and things like that, um, it'll actually work against them. And I think the Browns would also kind of play it close to the vest and want to get out of here with a win against a very tough Steelers defense. So, um I'll I'll be keeping an eye on the uh, second half total. Uh, what will make that a play for me again will be if the Browns are up two scores at the half, regardless of what the total score is. So um, possible uh, second half under in the Browns Steelers game, but definitely pulling the trigger on the Browns all the way up to minus three points if need be. Interesting. Yeah, I, I do feel like you know looking at that total on the game, that I feel like that bodes more well for the Browns to keeping it right there at forty. So, you know, again, that's just probably going to uh, probably going to see a repeat, essentially, of what we saw on Thursday Night Football, aside from people swinging helmets at each other, of course. Well, again, I wouldn't even say aside from that, I think, you know, the Steelers are um, the Steelers are going to be a little chippy. <laughs> and, yeah. and so we might not see the same exact effect, but uh, if especially if the Browns were to happen to start running away with this game, like the last game, I, I think we might see the Steelers get a little bit chippy in this one. So there could be some fireworks as well, but um, it is, you know, a great rivalry game. And, and I, I wouldn't bet the farm on the Browns here because they have struggled, as you said, against the Steelers in the past. And um, it's always a tough place to win, but, but uh, I just think that the Steelers are getting real, way too thinned out on offense, and it's hard to rely on a team that you don't feel like can score points. All right. All right, let's get in. I don't know. I guess it's like sort of semi-rivalry week. Well, not really, but – It's back. actually a great week. You know, there's so many good games. It's a um, big-time week for a lot of teams. Indeed, indeed. Now the battle of the Sunshine State. I know everyone's fired up about this one. Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now – it's not essentially the line that intrigued me so much that I wanted to talk about this game. It's the total, which is all the way up at 49. 
So Jags are favored by one in this game, but 49 points uh, for this game is pretty interesting. Uh, did you see the same, or do you have other thoughts on this one? No, I, I think it's set properly. You know, I, I think we're, we're looking at a, a shootout to ensue here. Uh, the Jacksonville defense is nothing like it's been in years past and without Ramsey. Yeah. Um, it's gotten much worse. Uh, the Buccaneers, um, you know, I, I like their defense overall, but, you know, the past defense has definitely broken down as the season has went on. And the Jaguars um, just haven't really been consistent with being able to run the ball. I don't think they'll find much success running the ball on Tampa Bay, but I do think they're going to let Nick Foles let it rip. You know, he threw the ball over 45 times, I think, last week and possibly the week before. Um, and they do have some perimeter players. I think the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to look to open it up against Tampa Bay and score some points. Um, Tampa Bay, we already know, is going to open it up right. and, and look to score some points with Arians, and especially now that they're out of the playoff picture. You know, there's there's not nothing to be you know conservative about. So I, I see us possibly going over the, the 49 here. Um, it, it is a lot of points. I also like the Jaguars at home. Um, they haven't played well this year, and, and the losses are stacking up, but they're still in the playoff picture. Yeah. You know, as we spoke of uh, to begin from takeaways from last week, you know, the Dolphins, the Bengals, and the Broncos are the only ones who are really out in the AFC. Jacksonville still has a lot of division games left on their schedule, and the other teams in their division are all playing one another, so there will be some some blood uh, on hmm. on some of those teams moving backwards, which opens the door for the Jags to get back in this. So, no, I, I definitely like the Jaguars here and am leaning towards um, it going over 50 points. Yeah, that's an interesting point that you make with the Jaguars still in the race. I mean, you look at – you know, the the teams that are vying for that uh, sixth and final seed there in the AFC, the Steelers, who we just talked about, could very well lose to the Browns. The Raiders are taking on the Chiefs, which we're going to talk about in a little bit. You know, the Coltons and the Tights are going to knock uh, knock each other around. So, yeah, I mean, a Jags win here would certainly put them in a, in a nice situation going forward. Yo, no, no doubt. All right. All right. And by the way, I, I, you know, even more shocking to me that that 49 total with the Bucks Jags game, second highest total on the Sunday to Monday slate. So, yeah, and it, it very likely will be the highest scoring game this week. Um, I, I definitely, you know, I, I think we're going to see Nick Foles throw the ball more than 50 times. And um, I'm confident that Tampa Bay will score, you know, their 20 plus points. So I think the bet comes down to the total is, well, the Jags, you know, are they going to score? score in the mid to high 20s and the line at Jaguars minus one tells us that they will so uh, I, I do think that there's some value in the total going over but uh, if I were to pick one of the two you know I, I would stick with the Jags but for um, for someone looking to maybe um, hit this game from both sides I think the Jags and the overs uh, a safe wager I like that I like that all right that's also going on the whiteboard all right uh, next one in my neck of the woods, we got the Packers minus six at the Giants, uh, 45 total in this one. going to be interesting to see how the, the Packers rebound in this one. Obviously, there's a huge uh, Packers fan base here in the Jersey, New York area, so they're going to be coming out in mass droves for this game to, to support their boys. Can the Packers cover this six, or are the Giants going to give them a little bit of trouble here? Um, you know, we, I don't believe in the old uh, trap game theory. But I could see for a uh, you know a, 
public Joe type better, um, how this one can look kind of sweet with the, the Packers minus six. But they they really haven't played that well uh, in the last two or three weeks. And you, you do have to kind of wonder um, what's going on in Green Bay and if we are seeing some regression from you know how well they played early. Uh, as a little side note, you know, I I don't want to say there's um, disgruntledness going on in Green Bay already, but I've kind of picked up from watching some of the film over the last couple of weeks and then also noticed it a couple of times um, in their last game is, is just some of the body language and the communication between Aaron Rodgers and uh, Matt LaFour. Um, I noticed it a little bit before the first half uh, of this game last week where they got blown out of San Fran. It kind of looked like Matt LaFour was, you know, uh, trying to, I guess, conversate with Aaron Rodgers uh, right before the half. And Aaron Rodgers kind of just gave him one of those looks like, you know, like he just doesn't really like the guy or trust the guy. And, and there seems to be maybe. Rogers. Yeah, I, I, you know, I think we're pretty confident to say that he ran Mike McCarthy out of there. Oh, yeah. um, I think that was his decision to do that. Dro- drove him to and the airport, too. So you got to kind of wonder who's coaching this Green Bay offense and who's really making the decisions on, on the, you know, the game planning. And uh, we know that Rogers makes a lot of, you know, audibles and calls at the line of scrimmage. And, right. uh, so I just wonder the cohesiveness that's going on within the, uh, the power, the, you know, the power, whatever you call it dynamic uh, in Green Bay. So can't take the giants right here. They're out of it. We don't really know, you know, what their plan is coming into this week. And um, the Packers minus six just seems like a little bit too much to give on the road um, to a team that has had their offense really regress uh, over the last three or four weeks. So as a total, this is one, I I just can't really get a read on it. I'm going to stay away completely. Uh, No idea what the flow of this game will be. So um, the only thing I'll know about this is when I watch the film probably next Tuesday to see what happened. All right. Uh, another interesting one. Uh, we're gonna we got two more from the one o'clock window. Uh, Eagles minus nine at the Dolphins with the forty-five total. To me, nine seems like a lot, especially with the way the Eagles have been playing and the way that the Dolphins have played in recent games. Are we finally starting to see some of that Dolphins? Uh, I don't even know what what word. I guess like some of that Dolphins grit starting to wear away. We saw them play some really competitive football for a couple of weeks, and then obviously uh, going to Cleveland last week didn't bode so well. Yeah, I think I think they were over exceeding um, during their little their little hot streak, and now they've come back to their baseline. Um, I agree with you that I don't really like giving nine points on the road here with an Eagles team that is struggling on offense. Uh, I, couldn't see them losing this game, um, but also not looking to lay the nine points. <clears throat> I seriously doubt I would have the opportunity for this to happen, but in a dream world, I'd love to see the Dolphins maybe up, you know, 10, 13 points at the half and being able to jump in on a desperate Eagles team at the half, uh, getting even money to win the game. <laughs> That's, again, probably a fantasy realm that we won't see. I think the only thing, you know, I'm not much of a teaser guy here, but th- this could possibly be a game where maybe you, you tease the Eagles with somebody else and, and try to get some value. Uh, I guess, just th- again, this wouldn't be a bet I would make, but – even though a 10-point teaser is high, you know, just 
if I was advising someone on teasers here, maybe you'd tease uh, the Eagles with 10 points, with the Chiefs with 10 points, and then also maybe you see if you can grab the Rams as a third party in that with plus seven at the Cardinals. So maybe just an idea if you really want to find a way to put money down on the Eagles um, without having to pay, you know, the extreme premium of the money line and then also not lay the nine. Um, saying all that, if you are a real action junkie and you have to bet it, I think you just have to just lay the nine with the Eagles and, and hope that they um, take some frustrations out on the Dolphins. But more than likely, as a whole, this will just be a game I'll be sitting out. Don't really see any angle of um, anything other than getting in on a Eagles team that maybe gets off to a slow start. But I don't see that being the case. Interesting. Yes, Dolphins, 78 points allowed over the last two weeks. So. This is yeah. certainly a get-right spot for the Eagles. All right, and then last game I want to talk about, 1 o'clock window. If we didn't have a quarterback change for the Bengals, I would not have even brought it up. But the Jets are favored by 3.5 uh, at Cincy, total at 41.5. Andy Dalton, the red rifle. I'm sorry, the red water gun, uh, coming back to play quarterback for the Bengals now. Do you see this being uh, an upgrade to the Bengals or just that? No, I, I think it's an upgrade. Um, I think that Andy Dalton will be, you know, somewhat motivated here. We don't know what his future will be in Cincinnati, but we do know that he'll be on an NFL roster um, next year and more than likely competing for a starting job. I think he's more than happy to, to get back into the game and, and take this as um, somewhat of an audition um, moving forward. And also, you know, the Bengals haven't really played that bad over the last couple of weeks. Um, Brian Finley has actually been a lot of the problem with why they haven't been able to pull off a win. I think the bigger storyline here is the fact that after the Jets winning three games in a row, and from what we've talked about the AFC playoff picture, the Jets are in the playoff hunt again, um, you know, will they make the playoffs? I doubt it, but they are riding a hot hand. Uh, the players are, are flying around the field, very motivated. Um, you know, they guessed uh, from reports is they felt very disrespected at halftime of the Raiders game because of Raider Nation and the crowd and, and the chants and the fans. So they came out that second half and just really physically laid it on the Raiders. Um, I would think that the Jets are a good bet to win the game at Cincinnati. But again, uh, that hook of the half point over the three is just a little much to overcome. My angle here is going to be on the total going over uh, 41 and a half. The Jets offense has looked better of late. Sam Darnold played a good game against the Raiders, not just stat wise, but he's kind of growing up in regards to, you know, um, avoiding negative plays by just throwing the ball away or giving up on the play and moving on to the next one, which is very positive in his progression. And as you said, Andy Reid, I mean, Andy Dalton for the Bengals gives them a much better chance to score some points, uh, especially inside the red zone. So um, I, I see this one, you know, both teams uh, scoring in the mid twenties and us getting well up over 40 points. So I think the uh, over 41 to 42 is easy money. Like that a lot. All right, let's get to the four o'clock window. Uh, your Oakland Raiders at these Kansas City Chiefs. Chiefs favored by 10 in this one with a total at 51. Most interesting thing that I saw about this game, uh, where are we? Come on, here we go. Uh, 
it, total actually opened at 54 and a half, and now we're seeing it at 51. Massive three and a half point drop. Uh, any weather or any anything else that you could think of that, that would do something like that? I think that I haven't actually checked the weather. I couldn't even tell you what the, the right. forecast is for the game. Um, so I don't know if the weather is involved. I do think that some of that line dropping, as crazy as it sounds, is revolved around Hunter Renfro not being available for the Raiders uh, for the foreseeable future. Now, is he a dynamic playmaker and that big of a difference in the NFL? No, but currently this Raiders team is really getting thinned out. Um, we already mentioned on defense, but now at wide receiver and just in regards to perimeter players to catch the ball is, is extremely thinned out. So kind of getting concerned on on how they'll score points, um, even against the Chiefs defense that hasn't been that great this year. So I'm not surprised to see the total sliding down. Now, as in, uh, well, I guess in terms of the spread on this game, I know you're not a guy that likes to go, you know, massive, uh, massive favorites, but I mean, you kind of have to love the spot for the Raiders if that's the case, no? Well, again, um, you know, one of the big concerns about the Raiders heading into the season and one of the reasons why, you know, I made the bold prediction of them being uh, in the playoff hunt, not necessarily a playoff team and, and also in the division hunt, um, instead of actually, you know, calling them out to be a, uh, legit playoff team this year's depth it was all about how healthy they could they could stay and and the defense has um, been losing players almost weekly and the loss of antonio brown before the season started was a big loss um, for the long term and, and now it's starting to catch up with them we're seeing some um, you know just lack of playmakers uh, at receiver positions so hard to bet the Raiders this week playing a Chiefs team that's coming off of a bye, which is, you know, an Andy Reid wheelhouse uh, that he's just known for. Um, can't take the Raiders here at plus 10, and I think it's dipping down to 9.5, so there are people betting on them. Uh, and then again, you know, you have the Chiefs at minus 10, which could possibly be a play. Like some of the other games, you kind of wonder if it's worth rolling dice and seeing if the Raiders can hang in this early and possibly um, find an opportunity to get the Chiefs at the half winning this game by less than a touchdown. Huh. You know, it, it's uh, that would be a good situation to be in. But right now, I don't want to lay the 10 points in a division game. And I also don't want to take the 10 with this current Raider team who is, you know, hasn't played well on the road. I think they're like one and four on the road this year. And um, a lot of pressure on the Raiders. If they lose this game, it makes it very, very difficult to compete and win the division. And it would also create a major slide in their um, wild card pitcher as well. So I won't be placing a wager on this one before the game. Um, again, it might seem conservative, but, you know, that's the way to make money in this business. Uh, my angle here is to hope that the Raiders can hang in there in the first half, possibly you know, keep the game tied or or go into a half with a three to seven point lead and possibly pull the trigger on the Chiefs at halftime to win the game by less than seven. All right. So just saw the Rams recently get clobbered over the head uh, by the Ravens there on Monday Night Football. They'll be at Arizona this week to take on the Cardinals. 47 and a half total on this game. So, um, 
in terms of where this line has gone, not much in terms of the spread, but the total has jumped. Uh, that actually uh, opened up at 46 and then went to 47 and a half. So uh, what, what are you thinking about this one? Uh, well, I think some of the total movement is you know based off of just recent history of yesterday with uh, the Ravens just destroying that defense and making them look very vulnerable. Um, I don't think the Cardinals will be able to, to do that to them. So to answer the question on if this total goes over or under, I think that's pretty much reliant on the Rams and how they look on offense. I, I'm not really liking the total here. Um, I think the Rams do do look for redemption off of this bad Monday night loss and get a win in Arizona to stay on stay in playoff contention. So I do like the Rams um, in this spot all the way up to possibly, you know, minus four to four and a half, I think would be safe. You know, don't want to pay that much, much rather have them at minus three. But um, I think they jump all over the Cardinals this week and, and, and put a hurt on them. But um, where that leads our total, it's hard to say. Interesting. Yeah. Cause you know, we've talked about it in the past where, you know, road teams getting that, th- that, that three point threshold, you know, that kind of seems like a right spot to be for the Rams. So uh, I, I could not agree more with you on that one. All right, let's get to the two primetime matchups. Got some very interesting ones here. We've got the New England Patriots, uh, three-and-a-half-point favorites at the Texans. Total going to be set at 45 in this one. Now, again, with this, we did not we did not see any movement so far uh, on, the, on the spread or the total uh, in this. And the, the next game that we're going to talk about, too, the Monday Night Football game. So... Patriots three and a half seems a little too easy to be true to me in Houston. And you know what they say when it looks too good to be true? It usually is. Can the Texans pull the upset in this one? Uh, Well, they've struggled against the Patriots um, since, you know, Bill O'Brien has been there. Last week we had the Texans and we spoke about it on the podcast. I felt like Deshaun Watson would use his legs to, to help get that offense going some. Um, I don't know if it's to stay healthy or to prove himself as a pocket passer, but he just really doesn't seem like he wants to to take easy five and seven yard gains sometimes on first down and um, even on some third and shorts. You know, he, he's he's looking to avoid running, and I think if that's the case against New England, that'll be another struggle for them. I think if he was willing, you know, to to run the ball a little bit more, they could be much. Uh, more dangerous of a team against this Patriots defense. Um, it is hard to lay the three and a half on the row. We, we we speak a lot about the Patriots being hard to handicap in some of these spots for the simple fact is, you know, they could be up 17 points in the fourth quarter. And since Belichick and his coaching staff actually understands how to manage game clocks and timeouts and things like that, you know, we just never know if, if if he has that formula in his head and the Texans get a backdoor cover here and lose by three. Um, not to always want to revert to this, but this is another game I, I would much rather uh, roll the dice and possibly give up um, picking the winner in the beginning in hopes that you can get New England at the half, possibly either in a tie game or down one score and um, be able to 
take them just to win the game at, you know, minus 110 or possibly even even odds or something like that. So I, I don't think I'll be making a wager on this one uh, pregame. I think I'll want to see how this first half starts out and um, possibly jump in at the half. All right. All right. So for the grand finale of the uh, week 13 slate, we're going to have the Minnesota Vikings traveling up to the great Northwest to take on the Seattle Seahawks in this one. So pretty interesting here with the Seahawks is they're only three point dogs in Seattle. Kind of seems like that's a decent, decent spot that you could probably get there on the Vikings. Um, how do you feel about that? And by the way, total is at 48 and a half for this game. But, um, you know, what uh, What are your thoughts on this one? Um, not looking to uh, lay points to a Seahawks team at home. Yeah. Rather it be three or two or one. Uh, I, I, I do like, um, you know, from a film standpoint and player matchups and things like that, I, of course, I, you know, I like the Vikings here. I think they... They have a lot more balance on offense and weapons. Um, the defense has been very consistent, but we know how tough it is for the, you know, to play at Seattle. Um, so this is a, another game that, you know, unfortunately we're early in the week and yeah. uh, kind of ahead of time on the podcast. So I, I really haven't had time to, um, to look into this one very farther. It's another just great overall game for a football fan. Um, but it's going to be a tough one to call. Um, I'll have to break this one down. <clears throat> It'll probably have to be a clients only play for the simple fact is just not real prepared to, to make a prediction on a tough matchup like this. Um, I guess it is worth noting though, that Kirk cousins got his monkey off the back with his big win at Dallas in his last primetime game. He did. You know, yeah, will that have much of a mental or emotional impact for him on this one? I doubt it. I don't think it's much he pays attention to. So it's a it's going to be a um, a tough game for the public to handicap, and um, a great game to watch. So hopefully, I got some action on it. But at this time, it's just too early to tell. All right, fair enough. Yeah, it's interesting. Minnesota coming off the bye. Granted, they uh, they've got themselves a nice. Uh, you know, nice line looking here, but yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's a very scary problem. Both of those primetime games, they look too damn good to be true. You know, just. Well, I think it goes back to, you know, overall as a week and as we get close to the end of the season and, and we get this playoff picture starting to develop, uh, the, you know, the pressure really builds and, and just to allude back to these two primetime games, you know, the, the Texans, um, have to really be feeling the crunch here because they're they're more than likely going to need to win the division probably to to make the playoffs and then um the Vikings also have some pressure because they are um in a tough matchup with um with Green Bay and in the playoff picture and I think Seattle and the Patriots you know as professional organizations they want to win every game and they understand the importance of home field and playoff positioning but um, they're also kind of safe this week you know the the Seahawks are are likely if not win the division um, going to get the wild card and, and the Patriots are cruising as always pretty much locked into the playoffs so uh, much bigger games for the Texans and the Vikings and um, breaking down how that's going to you know affect their decision making is, is difficult but uh, we'll find an angle on both of them. 
All right. All right, folks. Once again, that was Chris Dawson. You find him on Twitter at Cash Gritty. You can also find Sports Predictor on Twitter at uh, Predictor HQ. As always, you can find Chris's and all the rest of our experts' picks at SportsPredictor.com. Chris, have a good holiday weekend, and uh, we'll talk next week. All right. Happy Thanksgiving, Al. Enjoy it. You too. All right, folks. Once again, SportsPredictor.com. We'll see you next week.